0: It's not about how much you get done. It's about, you know, are you getting the right things done? And you can't get to that place unless you've first identified what are the right things inside of each one of our businesses or careers or, or even lives and personal you know, relationships. There's certain things that are going to create significantly more value or will have more value or have more meaning or more fulfillment. And if we get clear on what those things are, then we can figure out how do we just spend more time focused on those specific things? Uh, And that's what will create then significantly more fulfillment, more value, more progress. Uh, But it's not just about getting more stuff done, it's about getting more of the right stuff done.
1: Welcome to Beyond Better, a podcast that explores a simple but profound idea. We all deserve to live lives we love, and that includes our work lives too. I'm Stacey Ennis, an author and longtime location independent entrepreneur living in Portugal with my family of four. Join me as I talk business, location independence, writing, travel, and so much more, all focused on building a life that is beyond better. Welcome. I am so excited to be here today with Michael Zapersky. We are going to be talking all about business building, running a profitable, scalable consulting business, and also just how do you run a business that not only doesn't uh, hurt your life but actually enriches your life? I'm so passionate about this and I'm Really excited to have this conversation today. So before I welcome Michael officially, I want to read you his impressive bio. Michael Zapersky is the CEO of Consulting Success, where they specialize in helping entrepreneurial consultants grow profitable, scalable, and strategic consulting businesses. He has advised organizations like Financial Times, Dow Jones, RBC, and helped Panasonic launch new products into global markets. But more importantly, he's helped over 800 consultants from around the world in over 75 industries add six and seven figures to their annual revenues. Over 43,000 consultants read his weekly consulting newsletter. Michael, welcome.
0: Hey, Stacy, thanks so much for having me.
1: I'm really excited about this conversation. And as I was thinking about you today and getting to talk with you, I wanted to hear more of your backstory and, you know, I was thinking about when I was a kid and what I wanted to do when I grew up, you know, I knew I wanted to be an author, but not most, I would say most people don't say I want to be a consultant when I grow up, right? Like it's not necessarily something that as a kid, you set as your life path. So I'm so curious to hear how you got onto this path of growing consultants. Like what led you here?
0: Well, I mean, I started off uh, certainly not thinking about that. at a young age. I, I wanted to be a zoologist. Then I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Uh, and I spent from my you know younger years until about the age of probably 16, uh, sports was my life. Like you know, rugby, baseball, basketball, soccer, track and field. I became very competitive at um, and and trained for that and thought I maybe would go to university for that. Uh, but you know, shifting kind of the the transition between high school and university was when my cousin, Sam and I, who's uh, my co-founder at at consulting success. And we've, we built and and sold a few different companies over the years together, but we started our first business together at that time. Uh, It was called fingertip media and Sam was really uh, focused on like the design and development side. I was more on the marketing communications client side. Uh, And so we just had, that was like the exposure to, to business. Uh, My stepfather was also an entrepreneur, Uh, he he was in the electronics business and so I would go and help him at his store and just being exposed to all kinds of entrepreneurial challenges and uh, that environment. But I also became very interested in the world of business when I was kind of at that stage of transitioning into university. And so I began reading a lot um, and I was reading books on on psychology and books on marketing and sales and advertising, uh, business development. Uh, and I thought, you know, maybe I'll, I'll go overseas, because even at that time, I was very interested in, um, in the world. Uh, I had spent time growing up in, in the Middle East. Uh, I was growing up then later in Vancouver high school years, uh, surrounded by people from Asia. I was I just was very fond about learning more about the, the traditions and the culture. Um, but around that time, so I was very into books and, and reading, and I started to have conversations with different business owners. And I recognized very quickly that they had deep expertise in their area. So, they, you know, as an example, lawyers uh, or retail shop owners, but they didn't have a lot of experience on or around like business uh, development or marketing or lead generation or how to get customers in. Uh, and so, while I didn't have a lot of practical, you know, experience aside from running that first business, I recognized through the conversations that I that I was having that I I had a, some additional knowledge beyond what they had, um, and that gave me an opportunity to start making suggestions or, or offering ideas. Uh, and as I actually started to see some of these people apply those ideas and the results that they got, I thought, you know what, uh, I, we could probably build another business around this where we are really focused on helping uh, entrepreneurs and business owners to, to generate more leads or to improve their marketing. And so we ended up building multiple different consulting businesses uh, over the years. And then fast forward to about 13 years ago, we started Consulting Success just as a place to share what we were learning as consultants, uh, building companies and, and helping different companies around the world with others, so just, you know, ho- hopefully helping them to avoid the common mistakes that we were making, sometimes gut-wrenching mistakes that really had us questioning, like, are we cut out for this? But we also had some successes. And so we wanted to share the, the best of both worlds. And that just kind of took on a life of its own where people said, hey, like, I'm really enjoying reading these articles that you guys are publishing. Do you have a course about how to become a successful consultant? Uh, and so we created one and then people went through that and said you know i'm getting great results from this is there a way to work more closely with you do you have a coaching program and we said well we'll create one and so we did so we've really just been open to the feedback that we've received from people over the years and you know here we are 13 years later um you know had thousands of people go through our trainings and, and workshops and as you mentioned about 800 people coming through our, our clarity coaching program so it's just it's just been the world that we've immersed ourselves in building our own consulting business and then helping others to to build uh, successful consulting businesses of their own
1: I love so many things about that story. Specifically, I love that books influenced your life trajectory. That makes me so happy, and, um, and it makes sense, right? You're kind of, you, you mentioned that you have this interest in other cultures, and I think world, books are, they expose you to so much. And you're talking about marketing and business, and it just lets you immerse in this industry and in this way of thinking. So, love that. I also didn't realize we were business twins because I've been in business for 13 years as well. So we started around the same time. And a lot of times I know for anybody starting out, which is a lot of people listening right now, some are, you know, more seasoned in their business journeys, but some are starting out or they haven't even started their businesses yet. They're just a dream. It can be easy to look at somebody like you and say, wow, he's so successful. He must've just, been special, you know. Like he must have just um, had the right touch. But the truth is that your success has been over time. And the other thing that I think you do especially well is you have a balanced approach. So it hasn't been this grow at all costs, especially the cost of my family, my relationships. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that philosophy in growing sure. your own business, and then also this this concept of a long-term vision, which I know you adjusted along the way, but it sounds like your vision remained the same, which was to support other consultants to grow, you know, to learn from your mistakes and wins.
0: Yeah. I mean, so the the first business we started was about 23 years ago. So I've been kind of in in the business building mindset or or creating companies for the last 23 years, but the last 13 years I've been working specifically with consultants. And I can tell you uh, that at the beginning of this journey, I certainly did not have the same approach to life that I have now. I remember, you know, kind of burning midnight oil, working very long days, working on the weekends, but my life was also different at that time. I didn't have kids. Uh, I wasn't married. My priorities, you know, I just, I just was focused on growing a business. Um, and I think there there is a place for that. You know, there's, there's something to be said for working hard um, and working maybe more than you'd like to work. Like you're just, you're figuring things out. Uh, and, If you have dependence, you may not be able to do that in the same way. But if if you don't, it's a great opportunity to just really try things. But as you know, I, I quote unquote matured and got to a stage in life where uh, my my girlfriend became my fiance, then became my wife, uh, and then we had two daughters together. My priorities certainly shifted, and I remember Stacy. You know, one uh, one experience specifically. So one of our consulting businesses, I went to Japan to open up a branch office for for that company. There, it was, it was called Kanke Culture. Kanke in Japanese means relationship, so relationship culture was the name of um, it. Was a, a branding kind of marketing design, uh, you know, consulting firm, and. I remember meeting with one of my friends who uh, was and still is a very successful CEO of, of a mid-sized Japanese company. And he was traveling nonstop, he still travels nonstop. And you know, he works so hard, he's uh, rarely present with his wife or, or his kids. And I remember asking him, I was like, why, why do you do this? Why, why do you travel so much? Like, you know, you're, you're already very successful, why not just relax, take it easy a little bit more, spend more time with your family? He's like, no, no, I'm doing this for my family. And it really made me think, I was like, so you're doing that for your family, but you're, not, you're missing this time with, when, when, your are, when your kids are, are young. Um, it just seemed like the priorities were, were not aligned. And so that really made me think about how, I've, how I view business and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, and it really shifted my mindset from building a, a business that I, I have to make sacrifices within my lifestyle. So if you think about like a triangle, right? Um, Many people will put their business at the top of the triangle and then they put their lifestyle at the bottom. And so they have to make these sacrifices within their lifestyle to support the business. And my belief is that it should be the other way around, which is that you should get very clear uh, on what, you know, what does success look like for you? What is the lifestyle that you want to have? What's important for you? And that goes at the apex of the triangle. And then below that, you put your business so that that way you can structure your business in a way that's it'll support your lifestyle instead of the other way around. And so often, you know, I see people who have the best of intentions uh, and they're trying to grow and they're, th- they're thinking, I'm trying to you know, work hard right now to create the freedom that I want and the lifestyle I want in the future. And I think the big opportunity, especially kind of once you got past that initial stage, if you're just launching, you do need to work a little bit harder, maybe than, than you'd like, um, or at least the faster that you work and you can accelerate your progress, right? By kind of trying more stuff or, or working a little bit harder at those earlier stages. But once you get past that point, I think there's something to be said for instead of working so hard to create like the the future freedom that you want, why not structure your business so that you actually have the freedom that you want inside of the business. And then every moment that you spend inside of your business working, you actually are enjoying the freedom and the lifestyle that you want to have instead of trying to delay that, that kind of gratification or that lifestyle that you want for the future.
1: Don't you think that some of the, the reason that people don't do that is fear based. I mean, I think we are so ingrained to believe like it's so ingrained in us that we should deplete ourselves and 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 hustle and and really like productivity. And you're Canadian. I'm American, but I I feel like there's a lot of alignment in this mindset of like productivity is valued above all else. And it doesn't feel very productive to take a day, an extra day off a week or to take a family holiday or to rest, just to like simply rest with a book or, you know, watching your kids play in the backyard. Um, yeah. and, and I think because it's so ingrained, when we break out of that, and I can speak from personal experience, um, I still remember, and I've told this story on this podcast before, but pregnant, I think I was like eight months pregnant. I was going to MC an awards ceremony but we needed help getting like the awards ready because we didn't have enough people and so it was like 11 on a saturday night and i was sitting on the floor with my huge belly putting these trophies together and and i just was sitting there and i'm like why am i doing this like yeah
0: why yeah.
1: what's the point just it's counter it? yeah
0: i mean it's kind of counterintuitive right so that you, i think you hit on a really powerful word that pervades kind of um into so many people's minds. Like you have um, this idea of productivity, but productivity is actually not something that any of us should strive for because productivity at, at the highest level simply means that you're you're busy doing stuff. But what people miss is that not everything, like not all the, the different things you'll be working on are, are equal in terms of the, their their value. So if you're going to work towards productivity, work towards 80, 20 productivity, like where you identify what are the few things that actually have the biggest impact and create the value or help you to make the progress that you want and then get, get good at those things. But so often, you know, people are trying to just be more efficient or get more done, but the the truth is, and you know, any entrepreneur will, will, will have experienced this, that your list, like your to-do list never ends right? The, the yeah. moment that you cross totally off. The, yeah, exactly. Like it's, just, it's, it's just ongoing. And so if you try and work really hard to complete your list, you, all you've done is just got to your next list faster. And so I think this is what most people are are missing when they're so focused on their list or being more productive or just getting more done. It's not about how much you get done. It's about, you know, are you getting the right things done? And you can't get to that place unless you've first identified what are the right things inside of each one of our businesses or careers or or even lives and personal you know relationships there's certain things that are going to create significantly more value or will have more value or have more meaning or more fulfillment and if we get clear on what those things are then we can figure out how do we just spend more time focused on those specific things uh and that's what will create then significantly more fulfillment more value more progress uh but it's not just about getting more stuff done it's about getting more of the right stuff done 100%.
1: 100%. And, you know, I think normally, when people think of productivity, it's getting more stuff done, so I can get more stuff done. But really, it should be getting more better work done in less time, so I can actually have space in my life, not fill it with more stuff.
0: Right. And and also that people are, you know, so if you have the mindset that I, I want to try and get all this stuff done, this big list done, I want to, you know, really just kill it right now for the next... X number of years so that i can have that future desired state that freedom that i want because that's what usually most people are working towards it's freedom and they might call it i want to have an X amount of money or you know buy these things but it it still kind of comes back typically to this concept of freedom and so instead of just putting your head down and trying to grind for whatever period of time you have in mind to get to that point of freedom why don't you actually figure out what does freedom look like right now like how can i start to achieve and maybe you can't access uh or or start living every part of that that freedom kind of that you want, but there's likely more that you could be doing today. And so if you can figure out how to craft your business and your, your lifestyle so that you have a lot more of those elements of freedom in it today, then you can actually enjoy that journey a lot more. And you'll typically, like if you ask people about, um, you know, when you get to that, that stage, let's say your goal is to make $100,000 a year or a million dollars a year, whatever it is, when people get to that stage. All they do is then raise the bar to that next level right you're, you're never <laughs> yes, satisfied
1: i can attest to that
0: <laughs> right yes, so if, if that's the case if we know that we're on this never-ending quest where we're always going to raise the bar and raising the bar even when you get to that level that you you thought like once i get there i'm good right you're typically not raising it just because you want more money or just because you want more growth it's because you want to challenge yourself because you don't feel like you just want to stop but if you know that you're on that never-ending quest then why not prioritize to just enjoy the journey enjoy the process because you're going to be doing it forever right or until you decide that you're you're done um and for most entrepreneurs you're never done right so i think that's the opportunity for all of us is to f- get clear on how can we optimize our businesses and optimize our lifestyles so that we can start enjoying more of what we want today and not delaying it for the future
1: yeah oh i love everything all the things that you just said um and on a practical note i mean on my in my business i'm experimenting with four-day work weeks right now and I've, I firmly believe that constraints are, the best, are your best friend because you are forced to make decisions about what actually is important and what isn't. And do I delegate yep. or do I get rid of this? And it's, you know, we'll see. I'm ex- like I said, I'm experimenting with a plan to continue indefinitely. But um, also giving myself that freedom to say, I'm going to try this and, and see how it goes. Already, I'm so enjoying having a day that I can book appointments, like life stuff that used to feel disruptive to my week, but now I actually have a day that yeah. I know is open. It's It's been really nice. Have you experimented with anything like that before?
0: Yeah. So, for, I mean, for me, typically Mondays and Fridays, I don't book calls. Um, you know, I might do a podcast on a, on a Monday, but uh, in most cases, yeah, for quite some time now, Fridays, I'm, I'm usually not, I mean, I may come into the office, but I'm not really doing uh, busy work, I'm I'm spending more time thinking, planning, um, you know, kind of doing strategy stuff. And then likewise on, on Mondays. So my Mondays and Fridays are very different. And my core kind of work days, if you'll call them that, are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So that, that's what most people would look and go, okay, oh, you're doing work on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, but for me, Monday and Friday, I'm also doing work, but I'm just doing it in a different way. That's where I've created more space for myself. And to your point, you know, if I look at uh, many successful people that I've had the opportunity of either working with or, or working for as, as you know consulting for them uh, or in some kind of arrangement, many of them have structured their, their lifestyles and their businesses so they can take time off. I remember one of my first clients back in the day that I consulted for, they actually ran a consulting company that had multiple offices in, in Canada and the U.S., and the owner of that company, he structured his business that he worked three weeks and then took one week off. So every month he was taking one week off and he would be in hawaii he'd be in mexico he'd be just you know just in different places but he took one week off and i said to him i said like how do you like how do you do that like isn't that bad for your business like you're not making the progress that you could be making he's like no no when i take that week off when i come first of all i look forward to it so i work harder during the three weeks that i have but when i take that one week off i'm recharging i am being refreshed so when i come back i'm hitting the ground running and i'm so much uh, more capable and effective than I would be if I'm just, you know, delaying that holiday. Now I'm not great at that. I, you know, I'm, I, am i am certainly, uh, in some ways I can call myself, um, you know, a, I don't know. I wouldn't call myself a workaholic, but I enjoy what I do. So I, I do you know, work a fair bit, but I've definitely dialed back, you know, so I'll get into the office, uh, depending on the day, usually closer to 9:30, 30, 10 AM, Uh, and then depending on the day I might leave at three 30 or four, but it's because I want to spend time with my family. I used to work a lot on, on weekends. I don't do that anymore and I haven't for quite some time. So I think it's, you know, important for people to recognize that just because you might see what Stacy's doing or what I'm doing, doesn't mean that's what you need to do right now. You might be in a different kind of season of, of your life or business. And so you might approach things a little bit differently, but just know that, and this is what I truly love most about business, which is what, whatever you want to do, whatever you can imagine you can likely create if you are committed to it. And that's why I think Stacy, what you said about like testing or trying that four day work week is such a, a great mindset to have, because if you don't try it, how will you know, right? So often people think like, oh, it'd be so nice to do this, but then they never try it. They just kind of think about it and then they go on. And so allow yourself some flexibility and room to try things and see how they feel for you, see how they work for you, because you likely can start experiencing you know the quote-unquote success that you want in terms of your lifestyle and, and how you kind of think about things um a lot sooner than, than you're probably giving yourself the the opportunity for
1: yes I, I i think having that openness to try and also potentially fail and then try something else is so powerful uh this has been such a great conversation and i could continue on the the lifestyle front for another hour but i want to switch gears a bit sure. because um <laughs> you help people grow their businesses. So I would be remiss if I did not ask some questions about that. But I want to start first off with something I'm really curious about. You know, you've written three books. And I want to hear about why you wrote those, how those have impacted your business growth, and how they integrate into how you run your business today. Because mm. I know your your first book, Consulting Success, is the name of you know your business, Company, yeah. and I'm curious to hear about like, did the coaching program grow out of that? Did that did the book come after the coaching program? How has that influenced your your growth, and how is how how do you use that in your marketing and your client acquisition? Like, how does how does that all play together?
0: Yeah, I mean, so the first book that um, that I wrote and published as part of Consulting Success. Um, was actually private, meaning that we only sent it to clients. Uh, it was part of a course that we had many years ago, and then uh, later on, we decided, you know, like this is we could reach so many more people uh, because people were getting great feedback about the book. Let's make it accessible to more people. And so that's where we decided to, you know, update it significantly and and publish it. And so we've done that now a few times, uh, but you know, every book that we have put out, it it comes back to kind of our core values and and beliefs, which is about education and about providing value to people. So, uh, that first and foremost, that's why I write books. That's why, you know, we have a thousand blog posts on consultingsuccess.com, or we put out YouTube videos, or we have our own consulting success podcast. Everything that we do is is because we want to lead with giving value. So rather than just trying to get something, we want to give as much as we can first, and and we know that there will be, and because we've heard from clients, you know, people who have been reading our emails or you know reading our books or listening to the podcast or whatever it is for, in some cases, years before they ever buy anything, and that's okay. And some people never will buy anything, but we know that if we uh, if we give value, uh, we're going to make the world a better place. We're going to help people, and some of those people are going to go. You know what? Um, look what I've got here from this $20 book. Imagine what it would be like to, to work with this this company uh, to really help me take my consulting business to the next level. And so the books 100% uh, do connect to to business and, and kind of revenue and growth. It's hard to say, like, this person read this book and then became a client just because of it. But we know the same, like, with our podcast. We know that it influences and that it it helps people, you know, really, it helps to build a community. People are are learning from our books, they're learning from our, our podcasts, from our videos, from our articles, the studies we publish, all that kind of stuff, and we just take a long-term mindset around everything that we do, which is, again, giving value and knowing that when we do that and we do it consistently over and over again, that it's going to support the growth of the business.
1: It's part of your ecosystem, right? And I think a healthy ecosystem needs a lot of different parts playing together to be healthy. and. I I think, you know, as you think about, I'm sure you'll probably write future books as well. They're yeah. also hitting different stages probably of your clients' needs in your business. You mentioned that your book Act Now was written kind of during COVID when people needed that information right then, and I love yeah. that you're focused on value because I also find sometimes that new authors, they almost have a scarcity mindset in writing their mm. books. like. They're afraid they're going to give too much away, or you yeah. know they're going to share their secrets. But I actually I, I don't think that that's true in most cases because people that read a book and hopefully that book will contain the value that they need. If they need yeah. further support, really usually an accountability or a system, that's yeah. what you build separately, right? So how yeah. do you approach that with writing your books?
0: It, it's, it's in my in my mind, it's not possible to give away too much, um, yeah. you know. Agreed. And I, and I would just I would ask anyone out there who has that concern, look at those that you look up to, like who do you read? Who do you uh, feel is a figure that is successful? And most likely they have a book, right? Or, or mostly they have multiple books. And so there's a reason that they're doing it because it allows them to reach more people and they're giving value. Now, what happens when somebody buys a book? Uh, most people that buy a book will not read the whole book, right, they're gonna start it. Uh, and at some point they're gonna, you know, maybe they'll just get even a chapter in or a few pages in, but just getting that book from you right is is credibility it shows that you are quote unquote like an authority and an expert but when people dive into your book they're likely going to have that feeling like wow this i'm getting a lot of value from this this person clearly understands whatever the topic is about and so if that person has a need or wants to learn more you're the, you're going to be the first person they turn to because you've demonstrated your expertise through that book so um, it's you know the people that buy your book and try and implement everything in that book by themselves Number one, you know, they may not be the people that actually um, buy from you because they're the kind of person that tries to do everything themselves always. And they're all, you know, they're thinking about it more as a cost versus expense in terms of like investing in, in working with you. So they wouldn't be your clients anyways, most likely. And that's OK. But some people will try to implement certain things and and it won't work out the way they want. And so they recognize, yeah, I do need this expert's help. But there's going to be the the majority or, or a big portion of people that you actually do care about that are your your true ideal clients. And they're going to have the mindset that, that, yeah, I'm too busy, or I don't have the time or the resources to try and figure this out myself. This person clearly understands this stuff. I should just turn to them. And so those are the people that your book in my experience are going to typically attract most is that it's just, you know, it's almost like an appetizer at a restaurant. You taste it, you go, this is really great. I can't wait for, you know, what's coming next.
1: Yeah, such great points and, and really important to also think about that. Even the people that aren't necessarily your customer, they may become an evangelist and tell more people they should, you know, if the book is well written sure. and even the chapter, if they only read a chapter, if that is yeah. another content. So, so important to keep in mind. I want to talk a little bit about what you've outlined ahead of our discussion as some of the four steps to a highly profitable, scalable coaching business. And I know these are components of your clarity coaching program that, that you guide consultants through. So can you walk us through those four steps?
0: Yeah. So yeah, the four steps here are, I mean, they could be applied to a coaching business, but they're really for consultants and, and a consulting business, just to, just to clarify. But, um, so uh, here's what happens, right? Very often people will say, uh, I want to grow my business. I, I need more leads to, you know, to grow my business. Uh, and so they, they focus on marketing right away. They think they have a marketing problem. And what we see consistently is that, yes, they might have a marketing problem, but there's a foundation There's kind of these four steps or four pillars that need to be in place in order for you to actually achieve the, the kind of the profitability and scalability and success that you want. So the first one is what we call ideal client clarity. And this, so many challenges that people have stem from this. Uh, and it, it, this is a very hard part for many people to, to kind of um, define and make a decision around. So ideal client clarity is about who is your true dream ideal client. Um, and that this requires you to say no to a lot of potential people that you might be able, or, you know, maybe very capable of serving, but they're not the ideal client. And the mistake that many people make is they go too broad. They, They say, you know, I can serve this industry and this industry and this kind of person, this kind of person, I can work with, you know, small businesses. Well, what does that even mean? Right? So, narrowing in on exactly who your ideal client is that true dream client that you want to replicate that's going to be the most profitable the one you can create the you know greatest results for the ones you have the most access to there's a whole bunch of criteria and factors we take you know kind of clients through in terms of the process but the main thing is being specific the more specific you are about who your ideal client is the more that everything else that you do will resonate with them so the second kind of pillar is what we call magnetic messaging And it's developing uh, a message that will get the attention and interest of your ideal clients that when they hear it or or read it, see it right, they're going to to think like, wow, you're speaking directly to me. Uh, Yes, I'd like to learn more. Right. Tell me more about that. And so there's a formula kind of around that in terms of making sure that you in your messaging, you speak to who is your ideal client so they feel like you're talking to them. Uh, You address a problem that they're having and a result that they want. But you also need to define why you right? Today, more than ever before, there's a lot of competition, there's a lot of noise, a lot of hype, uh, a lot of false promises, but uh, ultimately, how can you position yourself with your messaging to begin with? Because that's how you get the attention and interest of your ideal clients. How can you position yourself that you have an advantage, that you have an edge, that you have something unique that is different about you, more memorable about you, so that people see you as being different than everybody else in you know out there, um, just calling themselves like a marketing consultant or, or a management consultant. So again, this comes back to, if you're not crystal clear about who your ideal client is, it's gonna be very challenging for you to develop a message that gets the attention and interest of your ideal client because it'll be too broad and therefore it won't resonate with with anybody. And then so when you have that magnetic message, now you can apply it with confidence to your website. You can use it in conversations. You can put it on your LinkedIn profile. And this is where people will start to actually see that they are getting people reaching out to them because people will see that or hear that. And it's just gonna connect with them and resonate with them because it's so specific and so on point. Uh, and, and that's kind of like these two things are, a big quote unquote secret to marketing and lead generation is that you can try all kinds of stuff from a marketing perspective. If you aren't clear on who your ideal client is and you don't have a message that's really focused uh, on them and covers kind of the the right aspects of the, of the formula, you'll, you'll likely spin your wheels and not get the the results that you want. So that's pillar number one and number two, pillar three is what we call strategic offers uh, or sometimes called, you know, optimized uh, strategic offerings. And this really comes down to how do you package position, place value on and, and price your services. Most consultants, you know, become consultants when they already have a lot of skills and ex- experience and, and knowledge. And so it can be a challenge to figure out, well, how do I take all of these years of experience and skills that I have and actually start to to build offerings around them? You know, what are going to be the the right offerings and how do I want to offer them? So this is where you really want to start thinking about your business model and how do you want to engage with clients? Do you want to work with them one on one? Do you want to work with a group? Do you want to work in person? Do you want to work online? Um, You know, do you want to do? Uh, focus more on, on volume, meaning uh, more clients at lower price points or more on value, right? So uh, higher price point, lower number of, of clients. Do you want customization? Do you want productization? There's a lot of different aspects to think through in terms of really optimizing your, your business model. But when you go through this, this kind of this uh, process properly, what you end up having is an offering that really resonates with your ideal clients. It's actually very easy to sell. So a lot of people are, are uncomfortable when they think about sales. And the reason you're uncomfortable is because you're typically trying to promote or push or persuade something that you're not really that confident internally that people want but when you understand who your ideal clients are and you you're having deep meaningful conversations with them it's very easy to sell because you just simply offer them what you know they already want and so now you start seeing a lot of traction in your business and kind of baked into that is a thought process around the profitability and the scalability and making sure back to our kind of original conversation, Stacy, that the offering that you are creating or offerings that you're putting out there, that they actually, again, support the lifestyle that you want to have. So you hear often like the consultant road warrior who's traveling all around the world, right away from their family. It doesn't need to be that way. I mean, you literally can, there you are in Portugal. Um, you know, I'm in Vancouver right now, but uh, I've spent a lot of time traveling with my family, still running a business. And so this is something that we all have the opportunity to tap into, but we need to be clear on what does that success look like and then make sure that we have those strategic kind of offerings and optimized business model in place. And then the fourth pillar and the final one here of the the four is what we call the marketing engine. And so this is where you actually start to develop your marketing system to consistently attract ideal clients. A lot of people start with that. They think, okay, I just need to to work on my marketing. But if you don't have these other three in place before it, it, you're going to have a lot of challenges. get the kind of results and response that you want. And it's really hard to scale a business and you'll likely end up kind of one day going, wow, okay, I've I've attracted maybe some business and some clients, but they're actually not the kind of business or or clients that I want. And I'm not working in a way that I want to work. It doesn't support my lifestyle. It's not that profitable. And so if you get clear on all these things first, then when you dive into the marketing engine, that your marketing can really start making progress and and getting traction results quickly because it's targeted to your specific type of ideal client and it takes, into consideration all the other kind of pillars. But the big thing with a marketing engine is that it's not about in in the, the, the consulting landscape, so marketing to buyers of consulting services is very different than marketing to consumers, right? People, the decisions that they're making here are for thousands of typically tens, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And so it's not just about like, hey, buy this great thing, jump on this webinar and you know, sign up. It doesn't happen that that way. It typically requires having at least one meaningful conversation, if not multiple conversations. You need to build trust. There's a whole bunch of factors that kind of go into that that a buyer considers when, when they're thinking about moving forward and engaging you or not. But the marketing engine is all about, again, delivering value. It's about, first of all, getting on the radar of your ideal client, Uh, and then making sure that you show up in a way where they actually want to hear from you. So it's not just about automating and spamming a whole bunch of LinkedIn messages to people. It's not about just driving people to a page and saying like, sign up here and working them through your complex funnel. Uh, It really is about being very intentional and getting clear on a small group of dream clients that you wanna serve, and then crafting a campaign around that so that you are getting in front of these people consistently they're getting a lot of value from those interactions uh, and they want to actually have a conversation with you. They, they view you as a trusted source or kind of you know, a source of truth. And so when they have the need for what you're offering, you're the first person they think about. And then you start you know landing engagements or at least having a lot of conversations and building uh, a robust pipeline based on that work.
1: So much there. And I just want to recap for for everyone listening. Sure. So he mentioned ideal client magnetic message, strategic offers, and marketing engine. there's a couple things that really connected for me. One is so much of that connects to writing a book. And one of the things specifically that I was thinking about as you were talking, you know, in the world of publishing, we say, if you write to everyone, you write to no one. And it's a similar idea. All of the things that you're talking about, that clarity of your ideal client, um, so powerful. The other thing I wanted to point out, and this is... I wouldn't say it's quite a tangent, but it's connected to the marketing point you made before we started recording, we were talking about social media Mm. and you mentioned, you know, I'm not really on social media all that much or on Instagram because we're specifically talking about Instagram, but you have 43,000 people that get your newsletter every week. And so I think, you know, that also shows intentionality in where you've put your focus in your marketing and not letting you know, metrics that other people are valuing dictate your marketing strategy, but actually focusing on the thing that works for your specific business. Can you talk a little bit about that decision to focus on, you know, growing your email list and not worrying so much about certain platforms? I mean, Instagram maybe isn't where as many of your potential clients are hanging out, but I'm curious about that in your marketing strategy for growing your business.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think so. A lot of it comes back to our values uh, as a company, and uh, being clear on on what those are. And so, you know, again, we we've structured the business and consistently work in the business in a way that it supports the lifestyle of you know for all of us. So I'm talking for for our team. Um, so I think, about like one of our team members right now, Neda, you know, she's in France right now. We have uh, Naomi who's going to, to wine country next week. Um, so was going to Spain, Portugal, a few other places. Like, so, you know, Sam's going to Japan at the end of uh, this week. So, you know, all of us are clear about what's important to us. Uh, and then we want to try and make sure that we, we live that inside of, of the company. Um, so for me, while I see massive value in social media, and I know that if I was a lot more active on social media, you know, our, our business would probably be even bigger, but I don't enjoy it. Um, you know, I, I sometimes look at social media, but I'm just, I'm not a Facebook guy, even though you know we, we publish stuff to Facebook um, and I'm not like an Instagram guy or, or a TikTok guy. Like, I just, I just don't really enjoy doing that. And I know I could be better at it, but I'd rather focus on my strengths and things that I do enjoy and build around that rather than trying to compensate for a weakness. And yes, I know it's tempting. You know, for everybody out there, like you, you'll see people saying like, oh, you can just make a killing on TikTok right now, or you can do this stuff on this platform or that platform. There's always new platforms, there's always more opportunities than any one person can can excel at or, or master. And my belief is that don't worry about what other people are doing. Like you can, it's good to know what's out there in terms of opportunities, but find something that resonates with you and then lean into that because you can build a highly successful business. I mean, there's, I know many you know, clients who have high six-figure and seven-figure consulting businesses who aren't active on social media at all. I know others who, who run coaching businesses that are doing, you know, a million or $2 million a year uh, and they don't run ads. They don't do things that you think like you hear uh, online that you need to do to be successful. So there's, there's multiple ways to create success. Find out what works for you. Find somebody maybe that you know has achieved what you want to achieve. Look at what they're doing. It's good to like know what's out there, but ultimately figure out what, what resonates with you and what you're going to enjoy, because you, you shouldn't be spending time doing things that you really don't like. You should find things that you do enjoy that create you know energy and excitement and fulfillment for you, and then do more of those things so that you're enjoying, again, the journey and the process uh, as you're building your business.
1: Agreed. And that could be social media, right? For some listeners, they might really enjoy telling their stories on Instagram or creating TikTok videos like that could be something that really fills them up. But for you, it doesn't and you recognize that and yeah. So And you've put your energy into something that you do enjoy. So I think for anybody listening that already has a business business or is about to start a business, or dreaming of starting a business, I think that that ability to to look to see what's working for other people, but then also check in with yourself and allow yourself also to be creative with Mm -mm. how you approach your own marketing is such a powerful and freeing thing. So you don't feel like you have to do all the things you can do the thing that connects most.
0: Yeah. One thing I'd I'd add to that, Stacey, just hopefully it'll, it'll help some people is regardless of like what channel you choose. To lean into, and I think it's important that you do lean into a channel. So books, right, can be a channel. Uh, social media can be a channel. Webinars, speaking, presentations, writing articles, doing videos—all, all these are different kind of you know channels or mediums that, that you can use. And you, you should pick at least one of them to really lean into because uh, one of the the best ways to demonstrate value—and this is you know especially true kind of in the consulting space—but one of the best ways to demonstrate value is through content. Uh, right, so if you work with a client, you demonstrate your value because you do great work. If you get a referral, there's a there's a kind of a passing of um, or an exchange of value between the person that's referring you, right? If you have a conversation with a prospective buyer, you can demonstrate your value by asking great, you know, kind of thoughtful, meaningful questions that get your client or get that buyer to to think or or see things in a different way. But if you're not at that point yet where you're actually engaging in any one of those um, kind of formats with a prospective client or an existing client how can you demonstrate value? Well, content, right? Because here you don't have to sell. You just, whatever it is that you talk about it, you, you put it out there and you can demonstrate your expertise. So you don't have to sell like that, that content will do the work for you. Uh, but the big thing, this was what I was kind of getting at maybe a bit of a a roundabout way is that, uh, when you decide what medium or kind of format you're going to lean into, be consistent with it. Right. So I would really encourage people not to go, not to say, yeah, I'm going to try like TikTok or LinkedIn for a week or two or for a month and just kind of like, sure you can try it, but ultimately know that to get the results you probably want, you, you need to be consistent and long-term. So whatever format that's going to be in, right, whether it's putting out a, a, a newsletter or being on social media or writing articles or doing videos or having a podcast, every single one of these things, typically you're not going to see success like the, with the first thing you put out. Uh, it's going to happen after, you know, hours and hours of, of work. Uh, and being consistent and people sh- you know, seeing that you're showing up and you're showing up consistently. That's when the magic happens.
1: Yes, I just want to make sure everyone heard that. Create content. Create content over time consistently. It is really the way to add value and, and, and grow an audience. grow Get your brand totally. out there in front of people. Michael, thank you for this great conversation. I've really enjoyed speaking with you today, learning from you. I know listeners got so much from this discussion. Tell our listeners where they can learn more about you. I know you have your own podcast and your website yeah. and all of the all the places to find
0: you. Uh, so consultingsuccess.com is home for everything. Um, you can, we have a, a free uh, consulting blueprint, which is a guide of our, our most uh, popular um, kind of articles, best practices, resources on, on growing a uh, profitable, scalable, strategic consulting business. You can get that from there. As you mentioned, we have the consulting success podcast. Um, there's literally, I think about a thousand articles on our website, um, and a whole bunch of other free resources, studies that we, we publish, uh, based on data that we get from the thousands of, um, or tens of thousands of people that we have in the community. So, um, that's where I would go, consultingsuccess.com and then feel free to connect on, on LinkedIn. You can find me, Michael Zaberski there. Uh, just put a little note say that you found me on, on Stacey's podcast. So I know where you're coming from, um, and love to connect.
1: Thank you, Michael. It's been great having you today.
0: Thank you so much for, uh, for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation, Stacey.
1: This podcast is produced by me, Stacey Ennis. Special thanks to Daniel Alexander for sound editing and Catherine Fishman for project support. These two make the show possible and I'm grateful. You can always access show notes, including any links mentioned in this episode at staceyennis.com podcast. And you can connect with me at stacyennis.com, on Instagram at Stacy Ennis, or on Facebook at Stacey Ennis Creative. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Here's to building lives that are beyond better.